This is Techie and the Biz, a podcast to explain and simplify how business technology is changing and why it can benefit your organization. Today, we're joined by Lori Thomas, Senior Vice President of Strategic Engagement for Metal. Lori leads the firm's strategic engagement and transformation efforts with over 20 years of experience working for Fortune 50 organizations. She served as the global head of sales and professional services and board member for Vodafone Global Enterprises Telecom Management. She is also the recipient of a Stevie Award for Woman of the Year for Business Services. Lori is also a member of Chief, the only private membership network focused on connecting and supporting women executive leaders. Welcome, Lori. Welcome. Hi, it's so good to see you both. Thank you for having me. This is great. It's been a while. It has. It has. So, Lori, just to kick us off, how did your career in tech really influence your current success um, in a customer engagement leadership role? I think the last few decades in being in the technical environment and just having a very deep interest in emerging technology, it, it's given me a great foundation for understanding digital trends and then applying that to customer engagement. And I think that, you know, having a technical background, some others might be adverse to adopting that new technology where I'm, I'm always looking for something to make the engagement better. I think, too, being able to take a technical concept, whether I'm working with senior technologists or just business strategists within our customer base, being able to translate those technical transformations into business terms and strategies has been invaluable. What is the focus of your role at Mettel? So I'm primarily focused working with our largest, most strategic customers, typical, you know, type multinational corporates, fortune type enterprises that are very complex in nature. And I'm tasked with customer advocacy, making sure we're delivering on our commitments, but also really understanding their business and taking all of that intel and listening and bringing it back to the organization so that every level within Mettel that works with those customers, we have a singular view and how we help them achieve those goals. And you know, a big part of what my team works on is customer education. And we have a few platforms that have been really successful, one of which is our Innovation Summit, which I, I host on behalf of Mettel every year. And it's really bringing industry thought leadership and bringing peer-to-peer use cases together so that they can really leave more educated than they than when they showed up. And so that's that's really important. And then arming them with those business intelligence tools and reporting, making sure they have real-time consumable data. One thing in business that the pandemic taught us is that while business can continue to adjust and fit a new normal, nothing replaces the face-to-face, one-on-one customer engagement. It's hard to forge relationships through a computer screen and to feel emotion and to connect and to get that personal engagement. Understanding your customer, facilitating open communication, anticipating their needs, as you say, how has customer engagement evolved over the last 20 years and the recent pandemic? What is the difference? 
Yeah, it's 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 changed quite a bit. I think you know, with technological advancements, um, consumer behavior, just new channels for interaction. I think you know, with the emergence of the internet and smartphones and social applications, customers want to control their narrative. They want to control how they interact with their vendors. And it's all of those things. And it's really important today to make sure that no matter how they're interacting in person, which is invaluable, but smart bots, websites, social media, that it's a seamless interaction, no matter how they do that. And so that they can get their real-time information when they need it, they get their problems resolved, but it's it's how they want to do it. And I think it's changed so much because it used to be very product-centric and vendors would just push out what they were selling. And today it's really, you know, much more customer centric. You need to understand what your customers' challenges are. What are they trying to solve for? And then give them the ability to interact with you and solution what's really best for them and keep them ahead of their competition. That's interesting. So it's really transitioning from what used to be selling from what, you know, from what I'm seeing to uh, more collaboration and education. Absolutely. You know, they're really looking for, while you'd like to sell them everything and be their one-stop shop for everything, um, I think it's most important to just understand what they need. And very often we find ourselves solutioning things that these very complex enterprises, global enterprises, have so many uh, touch points and interconnections with different vendors that being able to collaborate with them and work with them and often their, their other vendors really makes for a very uh, frictionless type deployment and very successful. Nice. You've mentioned the Innovation Summit, which I hear was a huge success. Award-winning wow. Innovation Summit. Yes. I, will forever... Behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I will forever remember Max talking about how great that it was in Arizona, especially because he got to take pictures with a camel. It wasn't a camel. It, it was a, a llama. Oh, it might have been an alpaca, but oh, <laughs> I guess have to do a trivia on that. <laughs> oh my gosh, a pa- an alpaca! Well, that's the one that doesn't spit, right? Because I was going to say he's lucky that it didn't spit on him. You mean llamas spit? I thought only camels spit. No, they maybe that's the distinction. No, I think they do spit on. They do it to get them when the males are giving them advances that they don't like. I hear they they spit on them. The the, the female llama spit on the males. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah. Anyway, well, now, you know, we, maybe we need to look into this. The animals, I see a theme here, you know, maybe you can get some long horned, what, what are they called? The I, long- think, I think they're looking at armadillos now for our next one in, in San Antonio. Oh, for San Antonio? Maybe armadillo races. I don't know. The, the other one I remember was a donkey. Oh, my. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's, that's in my, there we are. Oh, see, she's got a picture of it. There I was do. a donkey. I, so I became very attached to that donkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the, the longhorns for Texas with, for the next one, the go. upcoming, the upcoming go. summit. I love it. I, I could go. see my next selfie coming. Yes. I could see it too. <laughs> you make the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so just to get us back on track, I know we have a development initiative we call the Metal Innovation Lab for creating unique forward thinking products. Can you describe how that plays into customer engagement. Absolutely. So, you know, being able to work with 
often it's our early adopter customers that want to make sure what they're bringing into their organization is right for their organization. Our innovation lab was initiated to really co-develop solutions with them when it's non-invasive in a very controlled environment that they can test and trial and measure success as we develop with them so that when it does roll out, it's very, very effective. And, you know, in line with our innovation lab, uh, we have a client advisory board who it consists of about two dozen C-level technologists from public companies. And and very often they are our early adopters and, and often have tapped into our lab. And we've done some pretty interesting, I'm sure people have seen our Starlink press release where we took our managed network services and our SD-WAN solution and did that over Starlink. And that started in the lab. And it was to make sure that when, when we were ready to deploy, it was going to be a success. And we were able to give good news to our customer base. That's great. So so what would you say are the benefits to organizations of taking this customer first approach versus just developing a product that you know an organization thinks the market can consume and then just distributing it? Yeah, so I think, you know, being able to build something with your customers, they really appreciate the willingness and the time that you would invest to to build something for them and with them versus just trying to have prepackaged canned solutions that they have to retrofit and and often don't work. And then they have to start from scratch again. I think too, you know, in a customer first approach, having longevity or consistency. So for Mettel in particular, our founders have been there for, uh, you know, almost 30 years, right from the beginning that, um, you know, that consistent message and customer first approach has, you know, infiltrated the organization. And our customers really appreciate that. I mean, Max, you and I are over 10. And we're, you know, we still call us yeah. That's right, exactly. And, you know, we hear this all the time, particularly in telecom and tech, or, you know, our customers are constantly telling us, oh, we get a different account team every other week from this vendor or that vendor. And our customers themselves, uh, you know, I have many customers, a, a big retailer, as an example, we've been with them, you know, 15 plus years for maybe nine or 10 of those every year, they completely changed out their leadership team. And so that's, incredibly disruptive and distracting when they're trying to roll out new tech and do transformational activities. So often our consistency and longevity and stable account teams have become an extension of their IT teams because we have all the tribal knowledge of what was happening in their environment and we're able to help them navigate as they're trying to do new things. So I think I think they really do appreciate that that consistent and frequent understanding and communication to help them move forward. I think it's important to point out some of the greatest products or the greatest product success we've had over the last 10 years, and I don't think people realize it, started with this innovation lab and uh, engagement with the customer approach, whether it's SD-WAN, mobile device as a service or MDAS offering, or single SIM, which has been hugely successful, all started out utilizing this format and engaging customers and having them tell us what what works and what doesn't so that we can uh, make slight changes in the product to make sure it's a perfect fit for their industry. Absolutely. I, I, I Endless meetings where I sat with Max and other of our senior technologists with our advisory board, where 
you would bring them a briefing, whether it was 5G or MDAS or what's happening in the, the managed network service space. And they, they would often start out with, how does that relate to us, to me specifically in my industry, or what's the use case? And those early conversations helped shape our development of where we were going to go with it to make it really, really useful for those customers. And uh, yeah, so it's it's been a great success and they help they help us shape our product roadmap. That's That makes it very unique to their industry. For sure. Lori, today in tech, it's common to see women in leadership roles, but that was not always the case. Can you share the experience from your journey? Yes, that's very true. Uh, when I started out, in the technology and telecom space, there were very few women leaders, uh, and even the ones that were there were not broadly recognized uh, or publicized at all. So it was very difficult to navigate. And you know, I think if you asked anyone off the street at during those decades, who are male, you know, influential male technology leaders, they would tell you Gates and Steve Jobs and Bezos and Elon Musk, and it would come readily available. And I think if you ask those same people about women leaders, they'd be hard pressed to to name some. But that's changing. It's definitely changing for the better. Um, not fast enough, but it but it is changing. That's actually exciting news to hear, uh, especially with our 17-year-old daughter thinking of her future and <laughs> yes. applying to colleges. Uh, I keep telling her and her brothers that the future is in cybersecurity. So start coding. Every day, every day he's telling them this. Great <laughs> advice because it's it keeps me up at night. What I what I the little I know and all that I don't know. So it's a tremendous field for a aspiring young business professional for sure. I've always found it interesting that it really depends on the field when speaking of leadership roles, because in healthcare, for example, um, in the nursing profession where I was working for a long time, women held the leadership roles. And it took many years for the men to feel like they were equals in the profession. But with women entering leadership roles in tech, where there have been predominantly men, as you say, and in, in these roles, what would you say is influencing this change? I, th I think it's a couple of things. I think one is just awareness of gender inequality and, 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 and an increased awareness for diversity and inclusion. And I think having now um, more education, more awareness has then opened the door to an openness to hire more people in underrepresented groups. And therefore, as that permeates, there's more of an acceptance and, and, and you know, it, it becomes uh, contagious in, in a very good way. I think also um, the the uh, women in tech are more, there's more advocacy and mentorship, uh, which was not always available uh, in, in past decades. And there's much, much more of that. And you touched on Chief at the beginning of our session. I'm very proud to be a part of that organization uh, that started in 2019, um, Carolyn Childers and Lindsay uh, Kaplan, they launched that, and that's the year that I joined. And they've just done tremendous work in helping get women to the top and bringing others with them and keeping them there. And um, so it's, it, I think all of those awareness, education, and advocacy and mentorship are all contributing to, to the change. And actually this year, um, the first year that the Fortune 500 list hit 10% 
of women CEOs, which is, uh, you know, tremendous. It's at 53. Long way to go. But it was at seven, uh, you know, back in 2002. So huge, huge step chain, but a, a, a long way to go. Yeah. Awesome. That's exciting. Yeah, ten percent. So that's a big number. Yeah. But like you said, there's there's obviously a lot a lot more to go. Okay. Well, that brings us to game time. This is where we play a game with you, Lori, to get to know you a little better. And for this episode, we'd like to play a game called Drinks, Deal, or Defer. March being Women's History Month, I think it's a perfect opportunity for three strong and dynamic women for the game. So after all, empowered women empower women. So our first person that I would like to tell you about is Dolly Parton. Dolly is the most successful female country singer of all time. The bulk of Dolly's fortune comes from her stake in the theme park Dollywood. She also owns her own catalog. And thanks to a million dollar donation, she helped fund the research behind the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. This, oh, by the way, do you know, have you ever been to Dollywood? I have in not. Tennessee? I have been there. <laughs> you have? I've heard about it, though. By I the way, I did not know that. <laughs> I did I not know you've been to yeah, Dollywood. I've been to a lot and of- I'm not <laughs> going to give up my answer yet because I haven't heard the other candidates. No, right, right. My husband will- does call me Dolly for, you know, 30 <laughs> years. So <laughs> I have a natural affinity to, to her name. <laughs> That's so funny. I have to say a fun fact about Dolly is that she has never gone on any of the rides in her park. Hmm. Apparently there is some type of motion sickness or she just doesn't want to mess up her hair. (laughs) Or both. I can appreciate. I can appreciate. All right. Number two, Gwen Shotwell, president and COO of SpaceX. In her time at SpaceX, she has built the Falcon Vehicle Family Manifest to more than 70 launches. SpaceX was the first private company to put commercial satellites into orbit and the first private company to send humans into orbit to the International Space Station. It is also the world's largest commercial satellite constellation operator. Shotwell has also been included in the Women in Technology's International Hall of Fame, and she was named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World in 2020. And number three, Amal Clooney. Amal Clooney is the co-founder and co-president, along with her husband, George, of the Clooney Foundation for Justice. She's also a barrister specializing in international law and human rights and represents victims of human rights violation in national and international courts. Mrs. Clooney has also helped secure freedom for political prisoners around the world, including journalists and opposition figures. So... Here we go. Who would you like to have drinks with, make a deal, or defer? Dolly, Gwen, or Amal? Wow, those are some fantastic and influential women, and it's a tough one. I would say that, so Amal Clooney was a speaker, I think a repeat speaker at Chief, and she is a great uh, inspirational, you know, uh, influence to, to the world, but also to the Chief community. And I didn't get the privilege of hearing that. And so I would be very interested in in hearing her. Uh, So I think for her, I would have drinks and I would like to hear all the incredible initiatives that that she's doing on an ongoing basis. And I think Gwen, wow, I mean, 
the next frontier. And this is, you know, very near and dear from a from a professional perspective with what we're doing with satellites and with SpaceX and just um, the influence that she has and also being a woman. And I think that that from a professional standpoint, I would love to do a deal with her and extend that to our customer base. And while I love Dolly and I love her name, I guess I will have to defer since I only get to pick two, but maybe for the next time. And I'm not big on rides either. So <laughs> maybe when she opens a different park that's not rides, I'll 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 pick her. I think she's looking into a museum. But you mentioned okay. that your husband refers to you as Dolly. So where's that connection? You know, I it was just something that he started when we were dating. I don't think it had any affiliation to Dolly Parton. Oh. But, um, but okay. it, uh, you know, it comes out when we're in mixed settings and it always takes people pause. Dolly, how does how did that start? So it's not anything too exciting, but it is it is what he refers to me as, unless he's mad. Lori. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are all great choices. I mean, you can't go wrong, like you said, with all these amazing women. So you Thank yeah, you so much. Not enough time. I'd love to meet them all. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I, I actually would too. <laughs> Thank you, Lori, for talking to us today. It was so nice to speak with you. It was great to see you both. And thank you so much. If you'd like to learn more about strategic engagement team or any other services at Metel, go to Metel.net or contact your Metel sales representative.